Warning, Tongue and Geek contains heavy spoilers. If you haven't read, watched, or played the content being reviewed this episode, know that we will definitely spoil major plot points. Also, this show isn't for kids. We use words like and and it would take too much time and effort to edit them all out. Please don't tell our moms. lovely listeners, and welcome to Tongue in Geek, where two more white guys on the internet give their unsolicited opinions on all things geeky. I'm Isaac. I'm Tyler. And today we're doing a dragon double feature, because why not? This is the year of double features, apparently. So we're reviewing <laughs> Dragonheart, the 1996 fantasy adventure film directed by Rob Cohen, and Reign of Fire, the 2002 post-apocalyptic fantasy film directed by Rob Bowman. Tyler, <laughs> I, that was a weird coincidence. <laughs> yeah, I didn't put that together. Double robs. Um, this immediately shows just how bad we are at our jobs. Mm-hmm. Still, jobs. You're in. Are you getting? Hang on. Are you getting paid? Because I do all the work. <laughs> it's it's. I'm using it figuratively. Okay. You're like, because why not do a Dragon Double feature? The Dungeons & Dragons movie is coming out in like a week or two. That's the original so, reason. Yes, that is. And then I so, said I didn't want to yeah. review that because of the OGL bullshit that went down, which I'm not fucking getting into here. That's too long of a fucking rant. I don't know what that any of that means. Okay. So. Never mind. I'm getting into it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I, oh, do rem- I do remember the context now. We I wanted to do a Dragon episode... And I thought we would maybe review the Dungeons and Dragons movie because I love D&D. Tyler's not really into it. But Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro, the companies that own Dungeons and Dragons, pulled a bunch of corporate bullshit and tried to mess with this contract they had called the Open Games License, which basically makes it to where people who want to create third party content for Dungeons and Dragons can without having to pay royalties to them. It's basically how Dungeons & Dragons has survived into the 21st century. It made Dungeons Mm. & Dragons into the household names that it is by allowing fans to, you know, make their own content and sell it and distribute it without having to pay huge royalties to... Uh, oh, that's the company cool. is that how is that how a lot of the books were were written and published? Yeah, I don't know about the books themselves. Um, basically, I don't think you're allowed to do anything with the original OGL. I don't think you'll, you're allowed to sell and distribute anything with specific D and D lore, like the worlds of the characters or whatnot. But you can do it with like the mechanic systems and the monsters mm. and whatnot. Okay. Um, however. Basically, Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro were like, hey, we're changing the OGL. And when they send it out, there's a bunch of bullshit. There's like, you have to pay this much if you make over this much. And if you want to distribute, you got to do this, this, and this. Look up reviews of it online. There's a million people who've played D&D longer than me that know way more about it and all the legalese that went into it. Pissed off the whole D&D community. And everybody's like, fuck this. We're all moving away from D&D. We're all going to find a different tabletop or we're going to, you know, never buy a book from the official company again. You know, this is this sucks. 
And then Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast sort of backpedal and are like, whoa, no, never mind. We're going to totally uphold the old OGL, the old, old open game license. Don't worry about it. Everything's staying the same. And that's kind of where we are currently, but it kind of feels like they're like waiting to do it again later. So, <laughs> so yet again, corporate greed. Corporate bullshit ruining a game that's been around forever. and For, that's, for almost, what, 50 years at this point? Mm-hmm. That has been such a touchstone to culture as we know it today, especially nerd culture. But yeah, that's why we're not reviewing the actual D&D movie, because I don't want to fucking give anything. I've heard it's good, actually. I've heard it's good, too. I'll probably (laughs) watch it in one form or another. Arhar hit the high seas one day, but, um, you know, I just don't want to give any more money to these corporations that suck shit. Anyway. Okay. Fair enough. All right. um, But Dragonheart and Reign of Fire. Let's talk about them. (laughs) A disclaimer, um, because with subjects like this, uh, I always... Discuss. Should I always? Should I mention controversy or should I not mention controversy? Absolutely, do it. Because I'm unaware of the controversy, and I need to know. The director of Dragonheart, Rob Cohen, mm-hmm. um, is he's been me tooed mm. as a diddler, as a diddler of his own daughter. Oh God! Um, yeah, Fuck. she accused him of being a diddler. Um, so, just anybody out there. The director of one of the films we're talking about, likely a giant piece of shit. I mean, um, that's like seventy percent of Hollywood's probably pedophiles. It's, just, <laughs> it's so hard. It's I so know. hard to discuss anything without realizing, oh, the people who made this are horrible monsters. I know, I know. It's, <sighs> I just, but anyway, anyway. I figured we could use that very serious topic to bridge into the less serious topic of talking about Dragonheart first. Okay. Because for me, um, Dragonheart is one of those films mm-hmm. that I loved as a kid, but does not hold up for me as a kid. <laughs> I going to say the same thing. Oh, <laughs> boy. Where do we start with Dragonheart? Should we start with the visual effects? Talking of things that age poorly. <laughs> I don't want to knock the visual effects because they're very ambitious for their time. That's um, true. It's 1996. And there are elements of it that I think, even though Draco is not convincing pretty much the entire time anymore. Voiced by Sean Connery. I think the animation itself and the characterization of Draco himself and how he interacts with the physical reality of the film is well done. It's just... He's a dated visual effect. Mm-hmm. But that's the least of the movie's problems, in my opinion. Um, it has so many good ideas. Yeah. So many interesting ideas it's, and it's, like, lore. But it's just, it's, it never gels, in my opinion. It's just kind of... <laughs> There's a lot of that like late 80s, early 90s fantasy vibe to it where it's kind of like, we're just doing whatever the fuck. It's a fantasy movie, you know, where they they kind of just throw ideas at the audience and expect them to roll with it. And yeah, <laughs> you, you, it's one of those ones where because I, I mean, a lot of films, a lot of films more than you would know had like production issues and writing issues mm-hmm. and changes and stuff like that and you would never know because the filmmakers managed to pull it together both Dragonheart it was supposed to be a more serious movie a bit darker um, the character development supposed to be was supposed to originally be a bit richer it went through a bunch of directors before landing on Rob Cohen <laughs> <laughs> so 
you just have this this hodgepodge of like, oh, that's cool, and then it doesn't really go anywhere. Oh, that's cool, and it doesn't really pan out. It's interesting <sighs> that you mention it was supposed to be darker, because there are a lot of dark elements to it that's there never are. really fully explored. The main villain, Anan, is a total monster. He literally... Oh, God. <laughs> so hateable. And in a, in a bad way. <laughs> He's a little bitch. Um. So, played by David Thuelis, um, a very pres- prestigious... Um, he's an institution in, in British acting. He played... Mm-hmm. Um, most people would know him as Lupin from the Harry Potter movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is him, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Much more mm-hmm. likable in those films. <laughs> here, he's, <laughs> here he's a little bitch. Um, God, he, he's so hateable. <laughs> okay, so I guess quick synopsis of Dragonheart. Let's get into the breakdown. If you can give it a quick synopsis. Yeah, I'll try. Kind of convoluted. It is. Uh, opening with Anan, who is the prince of this country, and his mentor, Bowen, who is like one of the knots of the king. Uh, Bowen is trying to teach him, you know, the way of chivalry to make him into a good man and a good king one day. Um, it's totally obvious from the beginning that Anand's a little shit and he's never going to be a good king. Uh, but Bowen's trying his best. Anand and Bowen get summoned to watch the actual king go put down, like, a peasant uprising. The actual king gets killed. Anand gets, like, horribly wounded, almost dies. And Bowen and the queen take... Anan to a dragon's lair in order to have him restored back to life. In order to do this, the dragon gives half of its heart to Anan in order to help Anan stay alive. Anan totally throws that away, throws away this gift of life and becomes a total tyrant of a king, decides he wants to, you know, be worse than his father in every single possible way. Bowen thinks that, oh, the dragon corrupted him, I'm gonna go kill the dragon, becomes a dragon slayer, skips like 15 years into the future. Yeah, massive time jump. Huge time jump. Bowen's now a dragon slayer who's completely thrown away his chivalry, and then for some reason when he finds the last dragon, who, ha- by all means of logic... He has to know this is the dragon he's been hunting this entire time, but he somehow doesn't recognize it. Um, instead of killing him, he's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to start a scam where me and this dragon pretend to kill the dragon and then make a bunch of money killing it. And the dra- like he shoots like a big ballista at it and the dragon catches it and falls into a lake like they start a scam he hates dragons and he decides to start a scam (laughs) with a dragon for no reason um (laughs) you know what (laughs) i laughed to myself watching it again have you seen the movie 48 hours with eddie murphy and nick nolte i think i have it's been a while though um it's a buddy cop movie where eddie murphy's a criminal nick nolte's a cop and Mm -hmm. like team up yeah and like nick nolte's a bit of a racist they hate each other at first and then they grow to like be friends and respect each other i'm like this is just 48 hours but with a dragon, but with a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds amazing but <laughs> anyway Somehow. bowen meets uh this girl named kara who convinces him to start a real rebellion and actually do something with his life Big fight scenes, he basically helps overthrow the tyrant king. And the movie ends, yeah, well, we'll get to the ending. But yeah, that's the basic premise is Bowen sort of regaming his honor as a knot. I like that Draco is like a fully fleshed out character. Mm-hmm. With his own, like, motivations. 
and his own regrets. Mm-hmm. Um, because so many movies about dragons, they're kind of like either like the, just the monster or just like one note villains. Nothing wrong so, with that. I mean, they were made for no, that. <laughs> no, but uh, it's cool that a movie about a dragon, like the second central character is a dragon who is its own thinking, feeling mm-hmm. being. I like the lore of like this, a dragon gives you a piece of its literal heart. And like you're, it's the trope of like, Oh, two people are like, tied physically and like psychically if you hurt one you hurt the other we've seen that trope in a bunch of things Mm -hmm. i like that it has this really simple fantasy element of you literally have half of a piece of me and that's why we're connected Mm -hmm. that's cool some of the humor is fun a lot of it falls flat yeah Um, (laughs) a lot of the stuff that's supposed to be serious is funny um uh, but it just it just it just couldn't keep my attention and I think it's because everything is like half realized. Mm-hmm. Um Ainen is just this one note screaming little bitch of a villain. Yeah. And David Thuellis, like, he nails it, but like he's so irritating that he's not fun to watch. Even in like a, ooh, what a terrible, nasty villain kind of way. Mm-hmm. I just I just want somebody to make it. I just want Draco to eat him. Like, I <laughs> just shut him up. Um, He's an irredeemable prick, but I don't think he has, like, the menace to pull off that. Because, like, there's never a point where I'm intimidated about Anon. Yes, and that's the thing, because I was reading up on the on the um, production history of it. Originally, Anon was supposed to be more of, like, a scheming you know, even keeled sort of villain mm-hmm. because he has this second shot at life and like he knows he has this power. So he's not going to be a tantrum throwing little baby. You know, mm-hmm. he's the one who sneaks up behind you and like stabs you in the in the chest from the shadows kind of villain. That's how they wanted him to be. But like they just completely. They turned him into a side. He's a brat. He's a brat. Yeah. And he's not um, he's not powerful enough to pull off the brat in a way that's imposing for a villain. He's just obnoxious. Bowen, every leading man who was famous in the 80s and 90s was considered to be, was, the, you know, Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson, um, uh, then br- uh, bright on the scene, Liam Neeson, a bunch of people, and then they landed on Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid! <laughs> no shade to Dennis Quaid. I like him fine. He's, he's, he, he's not it in this movie. He, he's- he doesn't have that nightly fallen from grace action hero vibe to me. He it feels like Dennis Quaid putting on a, a an, an accent and pretending to be a knight. Not yeah. Here's this. Here's this knight character. He becomes a dick too fast. That Tom's way kid, too fast. The, he becomes a genocidal dick too fast. He kills an entire species in his pursuit of revenge in the first like twenty minutes of the movie. <laughs> Not even maybe fifteen. It's just, it's such a fall from grace so fast that's all skipped over. Like, that could have been its own whole story, was just him seeking vengeance on dragons. That could have been a whole thing. But instead... badass movie. That would have. (laughs) Having Bowen pursue dragons and killing them all as he falls from his knightly ways would have been a much more interesting film than actually seeing him, like... Oh, I'm suddenly a dragon slayer who demands money for dragon slaying, and then 
I decide to throw away my ethics entirely to team up with a dragon who has to be the one I've been hunting this whole time. How does he not know? How does he not know? It's the last dragon. It's like, it's like a whole thing where Draco has to be like, I'm the one who gave him mm-hmm. my heart. And his... And Draco almost lets it slip at one point. Draco's literally uh, like, like, Bowen's talking about a dragon. The reason I hate dragons is because one of them betrayed me and turned the king evil. And then Draco's like, that's not true. He ruined it himself. He was always evil. And Bowen's like, how did you know that? And Draco literally scratches his neck in embarrassment (laughs) and says, all Draco, all dragons know that story. And Bowen fucking buys it. <laughs> uh, Bowen's not very bright. He's um, the stupidest bastard who ever lived. And I'm I'm such a sucker. I'm I'm a sucker for like two opposing forces who hate each other, mm-hmm. like begrudgingly teaming up and then falling in love with each other, either romantically or plutonically or both. I feel like I should feel it more with this, and I don't, and I want to because, like, of course, like Bowen's like, oh God, I love Draco, and I don't want him to die, <laughs> and like I. I now accept the the old code again of, of chivalry, and like it just kind of happens because it needs to. Yeah, there isn't like a point where like you know it, it's where he is a character like feels it. Like there's nothing he really has to get over. He just he likes Draco now. They're friends now, and he has to stop Ayn, and so he embraces the old code again, and that's kind of it. Yeah. Because he talks to Merlin or King Arthur or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he, he talks to, like, the gravestone of King Arthur. I, I like that he has uh, a monk who follows him around. Yeah, <laughs> Brother like, Gilbert, yeah. Gilbert, Pete Postlewaite, rest in peace. One of, like, those character actors that popped up in everything back in the day. Well, he, he's fun. He is um, fun. He's, he's genuinely funny. Like, everything that they do with him... And all of his acting is actually funny in an intentional way instead of like, I can't believe they're fucking doing this kind of way. Yeah. And Sean Connery, again, may he rest in peace. He fucking nails it as Draco. Like, mm-hmm. if if you love this movie as a kid and like you're getting bummed out that we're shitting on it now, um, still watch it just to, to see Sean Connery's performance as Draco because he... He's the only reason really to watch this. Oh, and, and the musical score. The score is better than the movie. Oh, yeah. I remember Liz, I get a, hearing one of the songs. I, I'm like, this is what it's fucking from? From Dragonheart? Yes. Oh, you know exactly dude, like, which song I'm talking about. <laughs> the Dragonheart, the main theme to the stars, <laughs> you might be a bit too young to remember, but there was a period in the mid and late 90s when, like, every movie trailer used that fucking... Yes! That's what it's from! It was in every trailer! Because I remember seeing it all the time as a kid, and I, I heard it in this movie, like, wait, what? This is what the song's from? Good lord! It's almost like a meme that they use the freaking Dragonheart score so much. It's like that... The entire score, like, does all of the emotional pulling for me in this mm-hmm. movie. Like, I'm like, I'm feeling something, but it's only the music. <laughs> to the stars, Bowen. To the stars. To the stars. I like... Okay, they throw a lot of lore about dragons out and never oh, really wow. explain it. So, the magic of the shared heart is one thing. I can just... Okay, whatever. They talk about the fact that dragons heaven 
is literally <laughs> one constellation, constellation in the sky. <laughs> like, which is also cool. It's cool. But like all dragons everywhere go to that one constellation when they die, if they lived a good life or something. And Draco's whole arc is that he feels like he's lost his soul because he gave it like half his heart to an evil king who's ruined the world. I have a question. How the f- I am the last one. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just No no no. That's a great that's a great <laughs> interruption because how the fuck are there sequels to this movie? Well, um <laughs> from what I recall, the one that came out after this, the beginning is a prequel. And apparently, and I just found this out, there's like four or five fucking Dragonheart movies now. Yeah, like this is a it's, it's like the Alpha and Omega of Dragon movies. <laughs> they just keep making them and I don't okay. know. <laughs> Dragonheart nineteen ninety six. Then there's Dragonheart, A New Beginning in 2000, which is set decades after the 1996 film. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, I thought it was a prequel. Oh, wait. Okay, it is. Sorry. Oh, okay. It, it meant the movie came out decades after. Mm. Um, the premise there is the elderly Bowen finds a dragon egg in Draco's cave a year before his death. No, wait. No, it, that is what it meant. It is a sequel. Huh. I always thought it was a prequel. No. Uh, the second one is a sequel, at least. Dragonheart th- 3, The Sorcerer's Curse from 2015. God, there's like a decade between each of these. <laughs> and then they pop Almost. and then they pop out three in a row with... Dra- okay, Dragonheart... <laughs> Within a couple of years. Dragonheart God, 3, The Sorcerer's Curse. Dragonheart, Dragonheart Battle shit. for the Heartfire, 2017. And then Dragonheart Vengeance in 2020. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I wonder if any of these are any good. I bet they're not. But I bet they. I bet they're fantastic to watch, but not in like a genuine way. God, five Dragonheart movies. Mm. Where was I this whole time? Like, I get the one that came out like four years later. Like, okay, it was a decent enough fantasy film that made a decent amount of money. That's fine. But then they just start popping them back to back in 2015, 2017, 2020. Maybe the third one, maybe the third one just like just did really well, surprisingly, on DVD sales. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God, we can keep making these. The fucking Dragonheart fandom is just sleeping. And they just awoke in 2015. Oh, they're going to come after us for this review. They are. Um, Sorry, the first one's not great. I have no idea how the others are. Yeah, and I I hate it when something that I liked as a kid just doesn't hold up. Yeah, it sucks. And it's not it's not a complete waste. No. Like, it's, it's entertaining enough. It has good ideas. Um, it's a B, maybe C grade film that's worth a watch once. It's, it's not going to like move you to tears or anything or really even stick with you. Some of the ideas will... But like, yeah, it's it's okay for like a one time watch. It still does make me sad when Draco dies. Yeah, like because he's the best part of the movie. He's, he's the, the dragon. best part of the movie, and like you're like, no, he's the last one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't kill him off. It's fine. He went to the stars. The stars born. I do. I like the shot of him swimming under the lake. That. Mm-hmm. I always remembered that image as a kid, and it's still a cool image. Mm-hmm. There's wow. there's a few moments in this. I think it's funny the whole like him catching the ballista bolt and falling into the lake. That's <laughs> oh, he yeah. touched him under his <laughs> armpit like he was a kid. Yeah, over dramatic <laughs> death, like Shakespearean acting. It's hilarious. Can we talk about the vor scene? <laughs> Do you really consider that a vor scene? He's in his mouth 
for hours, Tyler. It, it is probably the best singular scene in the movie, just because it's 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 when the humor and creativity mm-hmm. of the story like kind of peak. <laughs> It's it's fun. It's it's, it's it's funny. It's it's funny. But I'm just sitting here thinking, like, oh, as a kid, I did not realize how many people probably got off to this. <sighs> Isaac, there's a shot where his tongue is wiggling right beneath Bowen's yeah. crotch, and Bowen's <laughs> bouncing on it. I'm like, oh, that got someone off. And- <laughs> that did it for somebody. I'm always surprised at your perviness because. Here I am. I'm just enjoying the fact that this is a fun scenario that the movie came up with. And I'm liking that there's a cool shot from the inside of Draco's mouth where Dennis Quaid is in an actual built piece of, of, of a dragon mouth. I'm like, oh, cool. I like the, I like the ingenuity of this. And you're like, hmm, this is kind of... kind of. Tell me I'm right. Listen, <laughs> I agree with all of your statements. I'm also saying somebody absolutely got their rocks off to that. I think it's I think it's a fun scene. It's very clever and well-crafted. It's got some of the best humor where, like, Bowen's like, I can go with for three days without sleep. And Draco's like, I can go for three weeks. And they're just sort of bickering while he's stuck in his mouth. But somebody absolutely saw that huge ass dragon tongue sliding along Bowen's sweaty crotch and thought that does it for me. I think Bowen even does says does say something about like his tongue being on his body. Like, <laughs> oh. And Draco's like, my mouth is so dry. Uh-huh. And he <laughs> hawks a loogie on him. Oh, oh man. Uh, what else to say about Dragonheart? <laughs> um, it's I kind of said all I, all I had to say. It's, it's, it, it has a lot of cool ideas and a lot of interesting things about it, but like none of it ever just seems all that well realized. Yeah, except for Draco as a character, which arguably the most important thing about the movie. But still, he gets everything around it. He gets like twenty three minutes of screen time. Yeah, and a lot of it's in broad daylight, which. Mm-hmm. Type Oof. back to me saying the effects are ambitious, yeah. but yeah, that's kind of what makes them date. That early CGI really needed some shadows or some some. He would have been he he would have been more animatronic, but because Jurassic Park came out a couple years before and revolutionized everything, mm-hmm. so he's like, nah, man, he's got to be CGI. Like, yeah, I hate shitting on CGI because far too many people do not understand. The craft and artistry and hard work that goes into it, but sometimes a dated effect is a dated effect. Yeah, so. especially the older ones. They were just they were still getting their feet under them. There is some visual effects in the next feature film that hold up very well. Yes, you want to move um, on to Rain of Fire? Yes, Rain of Fire kicks ass. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Fucking love I Rain of love Fire. This movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this movie is awesome. I I watched it again. For the first time in years, about two or three months ago, and I'm like, "Holy fuck! How am I not making this like an annual watch?" Rain of Fire is so good. It's so good. Like I like it even more as an adult than I did as a kid. Mm-hmm. Because as a kid, I just watched it because I'm like, "Hey, dragons," and mm-hmm. like I couldn't appreciate like the atmosphere and the production design and the fucking performances and the world building. Mm-hmm. It's it's way better than it has a right to be, just yeah. based off the silly premise. Yeah. But they make it 
Let, let's go over quick breakdown of Reign of Fire. Um, it is set in a post-apocalyptic future. You know, the future actually takes place in 2020. <laughs> yes, I cracked up when it said 2020. I'm like, oh, 2020 is like, oh god, <laughs> it looks so real. <laughs> um, basically, this mining company uh, is drilling underneath the earth, and they accidentally awaken like a hidden. Uh, cavern of dragons that have been sleeping beneath the earth for thousands of years um, and dragons just spread all across the planet completely lay waste to humanity over the next several years and it become like they basically burn the world to ash the year 2020 about 20 years after that there's this small community of uh, people living in this castle in Britain um, led by Quinn who is played by, is that one? That was Matthew McConaughey. That's Christian Bale. No, that was Christian Bale. Matthew McConaughey was Van Zandt. Um, yeah, Christian Bale as Quinn is basically just keeping this small community together, keeping them alive, basic post-apocalyptic stuff, uh, when suddenly a alleged dragon slayer named Van Zandt, played by Matthew McConaughey, comes over from America and tries to recruit them into helping take down the dragons once and for all. This one does a lot of cool stuff with the dragon lore to fit its sort of like post-apocalyptic future setting, like sort of update dragons for a modern storytelling. It's it's really fun. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen this in a very long time, so I didn't know who directed it. Mm-hmm. So when the credits are happening, directed by um, Rob, Rob Bowman, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, X-Files. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, so I kind of went down like a, a rabbit hole on how I wanted to talk about that for for some reason because in the early '90s, that's when television was starting to make a, a, a kind of a big leap as far as filmmaking was concerned, and mm-hmm. X Files was on the forefront of that. And Rob Bowman um, is one of the more prolific directors in the X Files, and he directed a lot of some of the best episodes. And when his credit popped up, I'm like, oh, cool! I didn't, I, I did not know he directed this. And then when the movie started properly, I'm like. Visually, there's so much in common with the X Files in this. Just yeah. the way he lights interior settings with flashlights cutting through the darkness, like industrial lights lighting like dark spaces. The way he frames close-ups and stuff like that. The way he lights sets. Just it, it's it's kind of, it's an X Files episode, but with dragons, which just tickled me pink <laughs> watching it again this first time. Uh, you forgot to mention that the dragons uh, eradicated the dinosaurs. Yes, they've been around for millions of years. Killed out the dinosaurs, survived multiple ice ages. Basically, hibernate whenever they eat the world dry. There's a lot of dragon lore in this that's still wild and over the top, but is just sci-fi enough to pass. Like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, it's, it's cool because most people, like, the one bit of, like, dragon lore they might know is that they're selfish and they hoard. Reign of Fire takes that to, like, the, the, an apocalyptic extreme. Like, they're so av- avaricious that they, like, <laughs> are their own downfall, basically. Mm-hmm. Because at this point in the story, they're dying off because they've eaten everything. They've destroyed the planet. And later on, like, we learn that, like, they're so desperate that they're eating each other. They're resorting to cannibalism. Mm-hmm. So, they're just, like, this this hellish species of just, like, terror. Yeah. And they're scary. Like, yeah. They're, they're, they're scary fucking dragons. Their design, um, probably the coolest dragon design in any movie I've seen. Wyverns. We, we, like, we should specify wyverns with the... 
two wings and the two legs instead of the four legs and the back wings. Yeah. Um, Which is still a kind so, of dragon, but they, like just to specify. Some people would say, oh, the dragon from Dragon Slayer, which I got to show you Dragon Slayer. It just came out on 4K and it's amazing. <laughs> um, he, that's a great dragon, but the dragon designs in Reign of Fire, um, I think, are the best design dragons in movie history. They're very cool. Very fun. What you don't expect when you watch this movie is like how investing the actual characters are. Yes. This is pre huge stardom Christian Bale. Uh, he, he, he'd been a child actor before and he, he's, he was a name by this point, but not like a household name. He was still kind of up and coming. Yeah. This is, this is before Batman begins and, and all that. So he's kind of a new guy on the scene. Matthew McConaughey, of course, was already famous. This is already like pre, and Gerard Butler is also in this, which is pre famed Gerard Butler. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a stacked cast. God, I just love Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey just being intense at each other in this movie. <laughs> it's such a good dynamic. Mm-hmm. Because they're two different types of people, you know, Christian Bale's the more like, we're going to stay hidden, we're going to do what we can to like, keep ourselves safe and out of sight of these fucking dragons, and Van Zan, Kentucky regulars, he comes over with his fucking tanks and helicopters, he's like, the only thing to do is kill the fucking beast, Matthew <laughs> McConaughey, and... <laughs> In a lesser movie, like, their dynamic would be kind of hokey. Yeah. But because, like, you understand where both are coming from and because they're both fantastic actors, you buy into it. I Like, Christian Bale's stress of just trying to keep his community safe is written all over his face. Mm-hmm. Like, you feel it. Like, he's about to crack yeah. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> it's a very classic story of two different leaders coming into contact with each other and clashing but it's just, like you said, it's sold so well through both of their performances because we've seen this story a million times where a more cautious, hesitant leader is forced to act more boldly because of a brash, confident leader who comes along. But yeah, it's it's just such a fun dynamic between them because Van Zan is this total action hero of like, I'm going to kill all these fucking dragons. I got to drag. Check this out. I got a dragon tooth around my neck. Killed this one out in fucking Kansas. And like Quinn is this quiet, subdued. Like I'm literally just I've got like a bunch of kids down there. I have to make sure they all stay alive. I love the scene where Quinn and his friend. What was his friend's name? Oh, shit. I'm sorry, Gerard Butler. I can't remember. Yeah, it was played by Gerard Butler. Creedy. Uh, Creedy. Uh, Quinn and Creedy are, like, acting out Star Wars for the children. mm -hmm. Because that's just such a... I don't think I've ever seen that in a post-apocalyptic film before, where, like, the generation before reenacts the culture for, like, the next ones. Because, like, they're playing it as out as, like, the Dark Knight slices through his head. They're reenacting Star Wars, but they do it in a way that's, like, a stage play to, like, carry on the cultural touchstones to this new generation that has no idea what Star Wars is. Like, that's such a cool concept of, like, the evolution of storytelling and this return to, like, old-school oral storytelling that... I don't think I've seen play out in another film. It's wild that fucking Reign of Fire is the first film that I can think of (laughs) that really touches on this idea of like, oh, the oral tradition of maintaining, keeping stories alive in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah, uh, it's little things like that that really help flesh out, you know, a world like this. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, you know, just a baseline setting for spectacle. I want to point out that 
this is peak hotness for both Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because Christian Bale's always mostly been buff in his roles. Mm-hmm. Um, he's known for transforming his body in a lot of roles. And, like, his adult character, because we meet him as a child, he, he's the first one to see the fucking king, the king shit dragon emerge from the cave. We were introduced to him as an adult, shirtless, sweating, like, breaking <laughs> apart fucking rocks yeah. with, ice with a pick. And I'm just like, oh, it, hello. Christian in a mom that we never go back to. <laughs> we never go back to wherever the fuck they were mining. Whatever the fuck they were mining. Like, we never go back to that room. We just needed to see him as a Christian fuck- Bale, yeah. shirtless and ripped. Absolutely. And, of course, Matthew McConaughey is just, like, all swagger and braggadocio mm-hmm. and fucking ripped as well with bald head beard i'm just like mm. <laughs> yes <laughs> a lot of beef you, you i i you two are gonna fight and hopefully both will be shirtless at some point <laughs> <laughs> you know the chemistry between them so strong that i don't even remember the female love interest uh <laughs> i mean <laughs> you can't either can you what's her name um i can't remember her name <laughs> It's not because she's a bad character. It's no. just like, this is all about Van Zandt. <laughs> Absolutely. She's not a bad actress. She's not. A, it's not a bad performance. It's literally just the chemistry between Quinn and Van Zandt is just so palpable. It's like, you really didn't need a female love interest in the middle of this. What I like about Van Zandt is he's, you know, he's like macho and, you know, badass, but he's also like a deeply feeling character even though the, <laughs> the love interest says like he doesn't feel things but it's, it's bullshit it's like he he like feels for his crew so much yeah it's, you know it's kind of weird for her to say that after the scene where like during the celebration they they managed to kill a dragon um his team which is fucking such a cool way they kill this dragon is that they fly way up high in a helicopter, triangulate the dragon's position, and then a bunch of them jump out of the helicopter, one of them luring the dragon, and then the other's dropping a big metal net on it so that it crashes against the earth. <laughs> what a fucking job. <laughs> what, a, what a job. But he, they managed to do it. A bunch of them die in the process, and like the whole castle is um, celebrating this victory when Van Zandt comes in and crashes the whole party by being like, oh man, we killed one dragon. I lost five men today. We've lost millions of people today. We're going to win this war in maybe, I don't know, 250 years. He just like completely shuts it down as if he doesn't have feelings. I don't get what she was trying to say there. Cause like he totally does. Yeah. Like it's a fun little subversion that scene. Because you think, you know, when the Americans roll in, you know, they're big, they're showy, they're kind of swinging their dick. And they are. And, yeah. And, and you think it's like kind of like being like, oh, the reserved Brits and like the brash Americans. You think after they kill the dragon, the big party is going to be being thrown by the Americans, but it's not. It's actually the people in the castle. So that, that's a cool little twist on the, you know, you think it's going to be Matthew McConaughey's crew, but he's the one who's against the celebration mm-hmm. because of the loss of life that was happening, that happened. The, uh, how the dragons are shot. Oh, yes. Um, Perfect. It's 2002, so we've had six years of advances with CGI since Dragonheart. So there's that going for it, but also just... Yeah. The way they film this entire movie and the use of shadow and fog mm-hmm. and lighting perfectly keeps these dragons still look good today in 2023. There's some shots where they're not great, but like nothing's 
bad. It's all just yeah. It's shockingly still good looking. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing that made just made me so giddy watching this is there's a decent amount of screen time for the dragons, more than I remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know they're kind of shot in silhouette a lot. Quick glimpses of them flying by or from a distance. But when they shoot fire, that illuminates them. And they're just this, like, terror vision. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it, it actually, I was like, ooh. Like, it gave me goosebumps because it's so well done. Okay. When they finally just breathe their fire and then they're just illuminated and you finally see what they really look like what, in detail. What's your... So good. What's your favorite visual shot in this movie? Because I can tell you what mine is and I think it's going to be yours, too. Uh, when the bull is shooting fire at the castle. Hell yeah! When the bull, <laughs> when he gets up on top of it and he just breathes that fire straight down into the castle. Oh, so that, good. That, you can take that shot. You mm-hmm. can just clip one frame out of that shot and just make that a black metal album <laughs> cover. <laughs> oh, God. And it would work perfectly. <laughs> it reminds me of like Godzilla, the new Godzilla films. Like a lot of the shots from that are that sort of intense, heavy shadow mixed with bright lighting from fire or whatever. Like it's, it's still that good. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> the rule of, the rule of cool is all over this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's a devastating scene, too. Because, like, the it whole is? castle is burning down. Like, ha- basically, the only people who survive are Quinn, a handful of the adults, and the children. And then, like, the other half are all dead. Like, all the other adults, including Creedy, are gone. Yeah. Th- that's what I meant when you invested in this movie more than you think you would. Because... You might come into it with, like, a bit of a prejudice, like, it's a movie where dragons take over the world. Let's see how silly this is. But then you get actually emotionally invested Mm -hmm. in the story they're telling. And it's, of course, that's the catalyst for Quinn and Van Zandt being like, all right, we're bros now. We're in this together. Let's kill this fucking Mm -hmm. bull. Because... What my favorite bit of lore is that they basically mate like fish. Yeah, um, it's such a weird concept. <laughs> King shit dragon just flies over a bunch of uh, eggs and fertilizes them. He just there's splooges all over. Eggs. Literally one male <laughs> to millions, perhaps billions of females. We found out that there's a single male. You kill that one, the species dies out. <laughs> Which fun little thematic layer there of like. I don't know if I'd use the worm, the worm, the word toxic masculinity, but it's basically a power struggle between three masculine forces at the end. Um, yeah, because, you know, Quinn's masculine force, Van Zandt's masculine force, and then the just the evil masculine force mm-hmm. of the bull dragon. God, what a way! So. What a way to go for Van Zan. Oh, so <laughs> that was the money shot that was in all the trailers and TV spots back in the day. Yeah, and like I've 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 seen people talk shit on that about how it's like a stupid moment and how like bullshit waste to pay. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, I because th- like they want like I guess they wanted Van Zan to get like a hit in instead of just not being like swallowed by the dragon. But, but that's not the point. The point is, like, you know, he's made his point. You mm-hmm. know? Doesn't he and fire he, on the dragon first with a gun before? Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, he shoots like a grenade or something at the dragon. The dragon's still alive, but he manages to get that shot in. The dragon's coming towards him. He's up on top of this tower. There's no way he's getting down alive. He, yeah, he knows it's a suicide. Movie. He jumps off towards the dragon with, with a fucking axe in hand, ready to throw down in his final moments, and the dragon eats him. It's such a badass shot. Oh, so cool. And and Quinn has the axe mm-hmm. in the in the epilogue scene, <laughs> carrying the torch for Van Zandt. Mm-hmm. God, uh, what else to say about how fucking awesome this movie? Is? I know. It's just it's my kind of my it's in that my favorite era where, where movies like this, big budget movies like this, kind of perfected their their visual language mm-hmm. because big CGI spectacle works best when it's filmed against real locations with like real lighting and stuff like that. So yeah, the castle, the castle feels really lived in. It has a lot of like detail that makes it feel tangible and real. Um, there's the, the industrial wasteland that the final battle takes place in. Um, it's really well laid out. The, the bull dragon is just composited in every shot just so well. Like, I'm still taken aback by like when they're face to face, when he's on the ground, you're like, Grr. I'm like, God, that looks so fucking good. It still looks good. It's been over 20 years and it still looks good. This movie has a it, it has a bit of a cult following, but I, it deserves more. Yeah. Cult in my opinion, it's so it was a bit of a financial good. flop. I think it made around 80 million on a 60 million budget. You, you don't see again original big blockbuster IPs like this much anymore. No. And it's it's a bummer because imagine if there was more original IPs coming out now, you know, like what would what would the movie going what would the culture look like? Yeah. If 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 movies like this were were still being greenlit by studios. <laughs> um like I put this like on the same level as Deep Blue Sea as far as like pure entertainment goes. Yeah. But Deep Blue Sea means more to me in my little heart because I've seen it so many times. Yeah. I've loved it since I was a kid. But as a story and about like characters and themes and stuff, Dra- uh, Dragonheart, Reign of Fire is the better movie. Yeah, actually. absolutely. I agree um, that Deep Blue Sea is fun, but this one actually, there's nothing entirely revolutionary with the story it's telling. It's literally just poco- post-apocalyptic story with dragons instead with of dragons. instead of zombies or whatever. But it takes that premise and plays with it in all the best ways. Oh, God. Um, this needs a collector's edition 4K physical media Blu-ray release right now. <laughs> Get on it. Yeah. I, want it. I want it on my shelf. Where's our five sequels to Reign of Fire? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Dragon. <laughs> the one that deserves it the most. <laughs> exactly. Um, where's our legacy? Where's our legacy sequel to, to Rain of Fire? <laughs> Give me some direct DVD crap that ruins the series. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to live in this world. <laughs> All right, uh, I got sort of a little game for us to play. It's a it's a variation of review review. Okay. Okay. I have picked from do not look this up from the top ten dragon movies based on IGN. IGN posted their top 10 dragon oh. movies. Both Reign of Fire and Dragonheart are on here. Mm-hmm. I want you to guess from... Their placement? Y- their placement, and then we'll go through the rest. So, starting with Dragonheart, where do you think that falls on the list? 
I f- I'm going to go, it's going to be higher as in like ranked higher on the list simply because it was, it was a hit. Okay. And it's, it's kind of a childhood touchstone for kind of that generation. So I'm going to go within the top five. In the top five. Okay. Give me a specific. Yeah. I want to hear your specific. I'm going to go, guess. I'm going to go with number five. Number five. Okay. What about rain yeah. of fire? Where do you think that sits? I'm going to, I'm going to say it sits a little lower, um, eight or nine. Okay. Would you like to know the others or you want to guess some of the others on the list? I'm guessing all three How to Train Your Dragon movies are on the list. Okay, I'll, I'll let you in. They only posted one, and it was the original okay. How to Train Your Dragon. I guess they didn't want to fill the list with... Because I think, objectively speaking, the top three would probably be the How to Train Your Dragon films. <laughs> if we're like being objective about that, like one, two, three would be How to Train Your Dragon 1, How to Train Your Dragon 2, How to Train Your Dragon 3. three. <laughs> There's not a lot of pure dragon movies out mm-hmm. there. Um... From the bottom, start at the bottom. I want to see what your guess is. Starting at number ten, what do you think is the tenth rated according to IGN dragon movie? Oh uh, Peach Dragon. That is on the list. It is up at number seven. However, okay. number ten that they have listed is Maleficent. Oh, get the fuck! Which out is of not me. a dragon. It has a dragon in it. Maleficent turns into it. Sh- I knew they try to pull some shit of like, oh, if it kind of has a dragon <laughs> in it for a bit, it's a dragon movie. Mm-hmm. <sighs> get the fuck out! Of here. <laughs> what do you think number nine is? This is gonna piss you off on two levels. I'll go ahead and tell you. Oh Jesus! Is it the Hobbit? Desolation of Smog. That was number four. Okay. Um, number nine is. Spirited away. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> Which, first off, again, has a dragon in it, not really a dragon movie. And second, if we're judging purely on the criteria of like how good the film is, it's number one by a mile. Yeah. <laughs> like, like even it's with not a dragon. Exactly. Even with the how to trade your dragon films included in that list, it would be a landslide victory for Spirited Away. <laughs> um number eight. What's your guess for number eight? Rain of Fire. It is actually never-ending story, which again is just oh, one. Not a fucking. <laughs> it's got a dragon I, in it. I'll, I'll give that one a bit more leeway because mm-hmm. Falcor is in it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Number seven. But... W- number seven was Pete's Dragon, specifically the 2016 remake of Pete's Dragon, not the original. Pretty good. Pretty good. If you haven't seen it, just check it out. I it's think... better than the original because okay. the original kind of sucks. The original. Like, not lie. It's just kind of. <laughs> uh, what do you think number six is? Well, if Rain of Fire wasn't in the higher um, or lower, then I guess Rain of Fire is the next one. It is not. Number six. God damn it. Number six. It, I get, man, and again, repping Rain of Fire. They, they, like they rated this over Maleficent, which, okay, whatever. Spirited Away, The NeverEnding Story, and Peach Dragon rated over all of those. Number six is Aragon. <laughs> I forgot that even existed. <laughs> Fucking- wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Okay, so... <laughs> Which, I will give them this, has more it's dragon, dragon movie. it has more dragon in it than most of the previous entries. Maybe not Pete's dragon, I don't know. But, like, the Rotten Tomato scores for Aragon is 16% critic and 46% audience. Okay. The list was teetering on being invalid with these, they count because there's a dragon somewhere in them uh-huh. movies. But you just threw that in there because it's a recent movie with a dragon. a dragon. It has a dragon. But nobody fucking likes it. <laughs> nobody likes it. <laughs> it's not a good... I've seen it. Not good. 
<laughs> if there's any fans out there, awesome for you. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> number number five, which you guessed was where Dragonheart sat, it was actually Dragon Slayer. Okay, that okay. I think deserves to be in the top three, but I'll respect the top five. Number four, which you guessed, or I told you earlier, was The Hobbit Desolation of Smaug. Uh, num- okay. Number three is Reign of Fire. All right, I'll respect it because yeah, I, I, I expected them to lowball it, to be honest. N- number two is Dragonheart, which I feel okay. like deserves to be lower on the list. And number one is How to Train Your Dragon. The first one is the only one they mentioned. Okay. My list would be different. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bottom four have like nothing to do. Uh, a piece. The bottom three have really just a little bit of dragon in them, but yeah. like Spirited Away and Neverending Story are both vastly superior films to like the top five, except for maybe How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, I've seen worse lists, but I've seen much. <laughs> I guess if you gotta do a composite score of amount of dragon to quality of movie, it's a semi decent list. But the fact that Aragon's on here, a universally hated adaptation of a sort of mediocre book series, if we're being honest. I haven't read the books, so I can't attest to them. Um, I loved them as a kid, tried to read them again as I was older. It's literally Star Wars. With dragons. Yeah, I know. I've, I've heard that that it's he just yeah. cribbed the entire structure. And I, I've heard people argue, be like, oh, you know, that's just the hero's journey. And I'm, no, I mean, quite literally, plot point for <laughs> plot point, it is Star Wars. The exact same twists and turns with, I am your blood relative. And, oh, it's like the exact same story. Uh, I... <sighs> There's this movie called Dragon Wars. <laughs> I know which one you're talking about. Is it the giant snakes that are both trying to become dragons? Yeah. <laughs> I need to rewatch that. I saw it when I was 10 and it was the coolest shit ever. <laughs> oh, it's it's bad, but it's incredibly entertaining. <laughs> Erica and I and her sister Lara were the only people beside one other guy in the theater mm-hmm. seeing D-Wars when that <laughs> Oh, <laughs> And we had a blast. I bet. Um, replace Aragon with that, and I'm not being ironic. I genuinely mean that because it's, <laughs> it's a better movie. Uh, and if we're gonna pull the, it has a dragon in it. Why didn't they put the Lord of the Rings in there? Because they have those awesome. Um, I mean, they had the Hobbit Desolation of Smog, which is like the most. I guess if we're going by the criteria of specifically only one to each franchise, because again, if they put in all the How to Train Your Dragons, it would have been in the top three. Yeah, but the dragons that the, the the Nazgul ride in Lord of the Rings are so fucking cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. So if we're gonna play that game, that should have been on there. Um, <laughs> what about Shrek? Where does that rank? <laughs> Shrek should have been in somewhere in the lower ones with the dragon to quality content. It's better than fucking Aragon. And honestly, um, I'm kind of feeling pretty annoyed at the disrespect that King Ghidorah. Uh, got on yes! because he's a dragon and he's in plenty of films. Yeah. So there's not even an excuse. This was posted in January of 2023. They have, it's not like they've been outdated or anything. I can think of three Godzilla movies with King of Dora in them that I put on this list over half of them. At the very least King of the Monsters. Cause good Lord, he's so good in King of the Monsters. He, oh, he's so perfect in that movie. Sexy golden boy just wants to take over the world. Oh, he's such a badass. Love him. <laughs> Love Ghidorah. Love Big G. 
I guess Godzilla is also a big G. Love both the big Gs. Yes. <laughs> call him. Call him the three neck G. <laughs> three neck G. Oh <laughs> uh, boy. I guess also that the time has come to flex your fandom. Okay. So Tyler, you're our only contestant. So this is literally just to see how well you can do. You, this is just to see how well you can do. You can't lose. (laughs) I got two questions for each film we've reviewed, starting with Dragonheart. This is a true or false question. So you got 50, 50 chance. True or false. Draco never breathes fire from his mouth. I think that's true. I think it only comes from his nose. That is correct. True. Draco only breathes fire from his nostrils throughout the film. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. One point. Moving over to Reign of Fire. What song is played during the celebration at the castle after Van Zandt's crew killed a dragon? Uh, Jimi Hendrix. Um... That's fire. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> You're two for two. Fire. Because it's an obvious fucking choice for a dragon. <laughs> okay, second Dragonheart question. Who was originally cast for the role of Bowen? Didn't I already mention it? Because I think Liam Neeson was originally cast. That or... is correct. It was Liam Neeson. Uh, the producers originally cast him, but at the time, the studio didn't think audiences would buy him as an action hero. This was pre... Which is so stupid because that's all he is now. Yeah, this was pre-taken, but good lord, what an oversight in retrospect. Uh. (laughs) Okay. Again, sorry, Dennis Quaid, but you're not my bone. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tyler, you're three for four. Final question. See if you can... Oh my god, I'm kicking ace. See if you can bring it home. Name one of the two real-world animals that inspired the method by which the dragons expel fire in Reign of Fire. Oh, shit, that's a deep one. Two real-world animals by which... Yeah, the way that they expel their fire in the movie was based on two different animals. You just need to name one of them. Okay, so I'm ass- because there are no fire-breathing animals that are in existence, I'm assuming just it's some kind of behavior that they were modeled after. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm going to go with uh, Spinning Cobra and Pistol Shrimp. <laughs> you you got one of those correct. The Spitting Cobra was one of them. Yes. The other was the Bombardier Beetle, which sprays acids from its ass. <laughs> I, I, I heard of that beetle. Mm-hmm. Fucking bugs are the creepiest fucking things on earth. Tyler, you I got... Was really, I was really hoping I got it with the Pistol Shrimp, because I figured that would be a left-field choice. But You got four for four, though. You got all four questions on I Flex can't. Your Fandom. Look at them muscles, them nerdy muscles. In today's world, nerd muscles are the only muscles that can. Sexy. Okay, you got anything else? Speaking of sexy, speaking of sexy. (laughs) I forgot about this segment. It's been a minute. Isaac, (laughs) are these two films, Dragonheart and Reign of Fire, are they horny? Okay, we've already discussed the vor scene in Dragonheart, (laughs) so I think objectively yes for that one. Okay, but do you do you want to fuck Draco? Do I and and or get fucked by do Draco? We know that a lot of people probably do want to fuck. Draco. Uh, he definitely has daddy energy. 
I don't know about his physical body because he is just kind of a dragon. (laughs) (laughs) And like a poorly dated CGI one at that. But in terms of his personality and his Sean Connery voice being look to Starspawn, he definitely exudes some daddy energy. So I'm going to say yes, Dragonheart, definitely sexy. Yeah, the more I think about it, because (laughs) the fans of this film are definitely millennials who grew up with it. Mm -hmm. And millennials really took up the reins as far as fan art (laughs) is concerned. I I would definitely sit... shipping themselves with things. I would would definitely sit in Daddy Draco's mouth with my hard sword (laughs) pressed against the back of his throat. I can can already envision just, like, the fan art of, like, an obnoxious, (laughs) sexually thick Draco just, like, cradling a person. Just... (laughs) With, like, rosy pink cheeks. Oh, God. <laughs> and, and a suggestive placement of limbs mm, to cover the... Tongue sliding down. <laughs> oh, God. Get on it, fan artists. Done. What has the internet done? You can put out five Dragonheart movies. Give me the porn. <laughs> <laughs> Show me the fandom exists. <laughs> uh, Reign of Fire... I mean, we talked about the sexual chemistry between Van Zandt and Quinn. I think it's there, but not necessarily, not in a way that's any stronger than most sort of like action films of the time period. Yeah, with with homoerotic subtext. Yeah, there's subtext. That's the key word. It's definitely still in the subtext where you can see these two and your dad can watch it and be like, hell yeah, that's a couple of real men. And then you can be like. Okay. okay. Yes, they are, Dad. Yes, they are. Yes, <laughs> yes they, they are. are. <laughs> You're my dad, but they're my daddies. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm going to say a soft. This- I'm going to say a soft maybe for Reign of Fire. Okay, well, outside of the subtext, mm-hmm. are you horny for Reign of Fire? In that you want to be dominated by Quinn or Van. I got a boner when the dragon blew its fire down the castle, but that was more of just like an excitement boner than a sexual mm-hmm. one. Okay. Right, just because it was a cool-ass shot. Uh, you know, I can see other people totally... Mm. You're disappointing me. No, 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 no. No, 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 listen. Because I've got my own tops. I know you do. I would say... Okay, let's let's reframe this question. Of the two, who's hotter? Who, Quinn who or Van Zandt? down by? Absolutely, yes. Which one would you prefer? Oh, what? You said Van Zandt. Uh, no, I'm saying Quinn. Oh, you're saying Quinn. Yes. Um... This is tough for me because back in the day around his Batman era, mm-hmm. Christian Bale was like, maybe I would be gay for him choice, mm-hmm. but not so much anymore. But then rewatching this, you come back, it back. brought it all back. <laughs> but, but honestly, like, I don't know. There's something about Matthew McConaughey's signature brand of swag, mm-hmm. of swagger, that I'm just like, hmm. I'm thinking for, for right now what mood I'm in. I'm going with Van Zandt. Okay, Van Zandt's a little too wild for me. I think you know, <laughs> like like I see. There's I there's a passion. Like there's a passion there, but it's almost a little too hot. You know, like he, I, I feel like I'd have to tell him <laughs> stop a few times if it got too intense for me instead of just the <laughs> once. Like Quincy, I I see. I feel that like he would start off like real hot and heavy, but then like get real tender. With you me. think so? Yeah. See, now, I, f- I feel like I like Quinn for the opposite reason, though. I think Quinn would be a very tender, sort of slow build, but once he really gets into it, like, he'd be a lot... Mm, he okay. he gains that passion throughout it, you know? I feel like Van Zandt would kind of blow his load early, 
with <laughs> trying to dominate you and whatnot, and then he'd like snooze out at the you know minute and a half mark. Whereas Quinn would. If only you cared about making love to me as much as you did about killing dragons, exactly. Van Zandt. Yeah, Van Zandt blows his load. He's done. Quinn, I feel like he's gonna work you up to it. He's gonna give you a good time, and then when he's done, he's gonna make sure you're done too. So yeah, I'm gonna say Quinn. <laughs> See this. This is why this. This is why I created this. Uh, yes. <laughs> Because I don't think I ever, and if it's too much of a personal question, feel mm-hmm. free to skip it. No. I, I, I know your type for women more than I do your type for, for dudes. Mm. Do you have a specific type? Are we talk of personality like or body energy? type? Let's go with general looks. Okay. Starting with looks, if a dude is super duper muscular, I more want to be that guy than fuck that guy. Okay. Like, if, if a guy's, like, super shredded, it's like, hell yeah, I wish I had a body like that. And rather than, like, oh, hell yeah, daddy. I'm more... I don't want to say twink. <laughs> like, I don't just want to say twink, because it's not twink. It's more like twunk. Like, that middle ground between twink and hunk, where they're sort of skinny, but also, like, a bit muscular, like sort of that lean, wiry muscle. Okay. That's sort of what gets me going in terms of body types. I'm, like some, somebody you can to, tell I'm is... I'm trying to think of a good... Okay, I'm trying to think of like a good... Think like a Tom Hiddleston example. type. Think maybe, I was, okay, I was going to say like an Andrew Garfield or like a... Yeah, like Andrew Garfield, okay. Tom Hiddleston. Just that sort of like that lean, wiry muscle where they're toned, but not so much that it's like you can tell they're super into fitness. I, I like a skinny boy, basically. Let's just say I like a skinny boy. Um, okay. Personality is a whole other minefield. <laughs> like, <laughs> Isn't it always? Yeah. I, there's lots of personalities I can get down with. I've gone over my taste in women a long time. Favorite is big girl, soft heart, which we've discussed at length. <laughs> with guys, I kind of like a soft-hearted guy, too. You know, I like a softie. Okay. Good to know. Good I like know. someone I can emotionally That'll... connect with, Tyler. I want to connect with somebody. I don't. Well, we all we all want that. Mm. Unless we're, you know, I mean, we we want the best of both worlds. We want somebody who's gonna dick us down real good or <laughs> vagina us down real good. <laughs> Lady dick us down, <laughs> but also be there for us emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emotionally dick us down. How about you, Tyler? <laughs> what's what's your preferred taste in men, my heterosexual <laughs> friend? <laughs> It's so funny. <laughs> I've had this conversation with Erica so many times. Mm-hmm. I can hear um, her in the background, by the way. I know. And like, we're in separate rooms and the door's closed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause she's talking, this is her Shadona. Oh, okay. I thought she was kind of trying to, she heard, overheard uh, this conversation. She's like, no. Tyler, tell him the thing. <laughs> I have taken multiple how gay are you tests Mm -hmm. and obviously they're not like i mean well one of them was i think it was the kinsey scale and like i always like hit between like a soft 12 to 17 percent gay that's low so it is low it's weird because how i appreciate the the looks of a man Mm -hmm. is it's like it it, it butts right up against the line of like sexual attraction (laughs) but it's not quite sexual attraction uh that's understandable. It's, it's, it's weird. I don't know how to quite voice it, but like, take Matthew McConaughey and Rain of Fire. I'm like, damn, he he kind of hot, like you know. But like, if it comes to me fantasizing about being with him, I'm like, nah, uh, not for me. You know, it's you know, funny. I could look at him and be like, mm, damn boy, like you know, it's it's kind <laughs> of it's weird. It's kind of funny for me. It's the opposite. Like with women, 
This is completely off the rails. Good lord, where did this conversation go? <laughs> and you said this episode would suck. I know, it's going to be a wild one. Uh, with women, I kind of have that sort of same thing you do, where I can appreciate sort of the aesthetic beauty. God, this is feeling very creepy to say out loud. I don't, I don't mean it to be... You can always cut it out later when you... Maybe. Um, I can as- appreciate a woman's aesthetic beauty without being sexually attracted to her. But with a dude, it's really just hit or miss. It's like either I think that guy's hot or I don't think about him at all. Mm. He's totally off my radar. Whereas with women, it's more of a sliding scale where like I can think they're beautiful but not be attracted to them. Or I can think they're beautiful and be attracted to them. Or I can not think they're necessarily beautiful, at least in the traditional sense, but still want them to fuck my brains out. Um, <laughs> such is the, Such is the beauty of... Sexuality. The heart. The heart wants what the heart wants. As does the dick. Yes. As the does gen- the, the vagina. Genitals want. Ex- the genitals want. Exactly. <laughs> um. Are we ready to rate the that's damn? A, that's <laughs> our review. Of Jack- <laughs> of rate of fire. Let's rate the damn things and be done with them. <laughs> Weird turns in this one. <laughs> that's what. That's you, our signature tongue. Do Tyler, you got to remember to bring. Is it horny back? Because like that. We've been we've been skipping out on that one for too long. That was some good content. <laughs> don't, uh, well, I'm glad I remembered. I'm glad I remembered. Yeah, don't keep that um, one too close to the chest, Lord. <laughs> Dragonheart. I rate. I will rate Dragonheart five Dragon Heaven constellations out of ten. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say something about the same sort of a mid tier something Dragon constellations. Exactly what Tyler said. I don't have enough mental energy or care for dragon heart to really give it a clever review um rain of um, fire no no clever rating for rain of fire it's just it's fucking awesome um seek it out it's free on youtube at the moment officially legitimately free on youtube yeah so watch it as soon as you can yeah eight nine out of ten something like that hot tier <laughs> very good very fun I guess that's going to do it for us. If you enjoyed this episode, that's a w- weird turns in our dragon double feature. <laughs> right towards the end there. I love it. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends, drop a like or a rating. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at tongue and geek. That's at tongue and geek. All one word. Thank you for listening. And remember, don't throw your baby in the trash. Trash.